Well, thanks so much to all the volunteers uh, that helped out yesterday. I think a, a week ago at this time, we were about maybe 40 volunteers short. And as always, uh, Maple Grove Covenant uh, stepped up. And, and I think the count was about 600 people came yesterday. And I have, I have recovered from my hypothermia being in that uh, golf deal and being uh, frozen for a half an hour. But it was a good time. Um, there's an announcement. So next Sunday I will end our study in Ephesians. And then in March, uh, we're calling it March Voices. Let's pull up that slide. Uh, if you may remember Caleb Wiry, uh, just an energetic young uh, preacher. He's just so gifted. Really excited about this lineup. Joel Johnson from Bethlehem Covenant. He's a guy that's good friends with Sam Randall, and we've been trying for many times to get him to come here. He's coming, and then you guys know Steph. She's preached here a number of times. And of course, the Brianna Millet experience on the 22nd and 29th, and we'll see if she can actually preach less than 50 minutes. She's, I say that as she's a good friend. Well, uh, there's Lisa. Where's Daniel? Okay, he's run, there he is right there. You want to wave your hand, Daniel? Lisa, you want to wave your hand? People know you? Okay. So Daniel told me this story when uh, Daniel and Lisa were going on their honeymoon, that um, Daniel uh, got on a plane and sat down in a seat, airline seat next to this businessman, and they both fastened their seatbelts, and the businessman asked uh, Daniel, good-naturedly, uh, is this a work or a pleasure trip? And he said, well, it's actually, it's our honeymoon. And the guy goes, your honeymoon? He's flummoxed. Where, where's your wife? Oh, she's three rows back. The plane is so crowded, we couldn't get seats together. And the plane hadn't moved yet, so uh, the businessman said to Daniel, I'd be glad, I'd be glad to give him my seat so the two of you can sit together. And then Daniel said, nah, I've been talking to her all week. <laughs> it's a true story, but it's not about Daniel and Lisa, it's some, another couple, so anyways... I'm getting my jabs in before I get done here. So, anyways, uh, if you have a Bible, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 33. Speaking of marriages and honeymoons and things like that, Paul spends a big amount of time talking about marriage. In fact, in verses 22 through 33, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, he spends more time in these 12 verses than talking about in Ephesians, about God, Jesus Christ, salvation. I mean, you just go down the list. Prayer. He spends a big chunk here on, on marriage. And this is also a turning point in Ephesians because from this point, then he, he moves towards relationships. Husband and a wife, uh, parents and children. So this is a little bit of a transition for Paul as he's writing this letter. And let's take a look at verse 22. For wives... This means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of, the, of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands and everything. I read this passage at my brother-in-law's wedding. And they had a number of people at their wedding in Colorado uh, who weren't Christians and probably, I assume, quite liberal. I read that and they hissed at me. In a wedding ceremony. It was unbelievable. I've never been hissed at, so you have a chance if you want to do that today. Uh, for husbands, this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her, her, her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or a wrinkle or any blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives 
as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united in one. Uh, Jesus actually mentions that in the Gospel of Matthew, too. This is a great mystery, uh, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So here we see Paul comparing a husband and wife just like Christ as the groom and the church as the bride. So again, I, I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband's husband. Let me pray for us. Father God, we just give thanks for this passage. And for those of us uh, who are married and those of us who are not married, uh, this, this uh, passage has great import in our lives. So for those that are single and listening to this, they may just kind of turn off and like doesn't apply to them. But uh, as they think about and their future uh, spouse, I pray that you use that in their lives. And also for couples right now, Couples who perhaps are perhaps in the midst of uh, marital chaos. God, I pray that you would intervene in a strong way. And for those that have strong marriages that are just going so well, I pray as well that this passage, your word, which speaks so um, specifically on marriage, I pray that you would use this and transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to jump into talking about love and respect because that's what this passage is all about. And if you have not heard of the book by Dr. Emerson Egret, it is the best book I have ever read on marriage. And it's simply called Love and Respect. I actually went to his conference a while ago and he talks about love and respect, he and his wife. If you had a chance to go to it, we, we uh, used part of that for a, a marriage uh, night here a handful of years ago. We have a marriage ministry that's based on love and respect on their curriculum. We have several uh, couples who mentor young couples that are going to get married. For example, I think we have three or four right now that are being mentored by our uh, marriage mentors on love and respect. Just absolutely love this. And what Paul, Paul is talking about is this, this relationship of husband to wives, wives to husbands. And the, his, his writings give special emphasis um, in, in terms of husbands are told specifically to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and also wives are told to respect their husbands as the church does Christ. And I want to pull out three truths this morning that we get from this passage. And it's, this passage is not just limited to three truths. There's a lot here, but um, I want to make a point of grasping these three truths. Number one, all of us, we are called to love and respect. That's something that all of us are called to, not just husbands uh, love your wives and that's it, uh, or wives just respect your husbands. All of us, it's a baseline for human relationships that we're called to love and respect every person. First Peter says in chapter 2 verse 17 that we ought to honor and respect everybody because every human being bears the image of God. And of course, we're called to respect and honor them no matter who they are. And in fact, C.S. Lewis once wrote that we have never met an ordinary person. Every person created by God is extraordinary because they come from him and they bear his image. And then also, as we read in Leviticus, for example, in the Old Old Testament, one of my favorite books in the Old Testament, by the way, uh, the scriptures teach us to love our neighbor. And then Jesus, in the famous story in Luke chapter 10, points out that that our neighbor is anybody that God has placed in front of us. It might be your coworker in the cubicle next to you. 
It might be your physical neighbor right next to you uh, where you live. But anybody who is in front of us is a neighbor, and we're called to love them. So as Christians, we're called to love everybody, and that is the baseline for relationships. And yet, Paul singles out husbands and wives, and he commands this, which is very interesting to me, um, that this is actually not the strength areas for uh, men and women. Just like for children in chapter 6, they're called, they're commanded to obey their parents, and children have a hard time obeying their parents. Right, parents? (laughs) Okay. Uh, And at the same time, now I'm talking generally here, and and please don't think I'm trying to stereotype, I'm just talking generally, and yet I think, in my opinion, and some of the research I did this past week, that women are more apt to love. They're better at it, I think, than men. And men are better at respect, respecting other people. And yet, which is so much of the kingdom of God, I think there's seven or eight universal truths when it comes to the kingdom of God. Uh, one of them is expect the opposite. It's always sort of like uh, Dallas Ward says, upside down, counterintuitive. So you and I, husbands and wives, are called to do something that doesn't come naturally. Husbands Um, When it comes to love, naturally speaking, it just doesn't come to them. And wives, respect doesn't come right away to them. And they more would uh, love more often. Let's give you an example. How many times I've counseled women over my 24 years of pastoral ministry experience, uh, a woman is in a relationship with a boyfriend who is physically abusive, emotionally abusive, and I tell her, you've got to get out of that relationship. We've got to move you out of that house. And she says, no, no, I love him, even though he treats her like a piece of dirt. And then I've asked the question before, do you respect him? Him? Are you crazy? And that, that's what happens. I think as for women, they, they're more readily to love, but when it comes to respect, I think sometimes, even though obviously uh, she shouldn't respect a person that's uh, being abusive to her, and I, but in terms of just love, yeah, I love him. And I think it's also the, tr- the truth for men as well. Number two, men run on respect, women on love. And when we see this in verse 33, it says, So again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is a command. It's not like when you feel like it or if you should, um, but this is what you do, husbands. And wives, this is what you do, is that you love and respect. And when... For example, in the Bible, when we read about like shepherds should feed the sheep, I think a, a reasonable common sense inference is that sheep need food, right? So when we read that husbands are told to love their wives, wives need love. I noticed that about my daughter Allie when she was just a little girl, that, that how important it was for her to like be my, the princess in my eyes. And then as she grew up and is getting married this May, that now her fiancé, Jeff, which is a great, he's going to be a great son-in-law, uh, I see that in him. And I just adore that, that he makes her uh, the, the princess of his life. And we also confer, infer that when it comes to uh, husbands, when, when hus- wives are t- told to respect their husbands, we can infer that husbands need to be respected. So in a way of looking at this, these are two different kinds of cars. One runs on regular gasoline, and perhaps the other uh, car runs like an 89-grade gasoline. It's just two different things. Men run on respect. 
Women Live on Love. That's from, from Dr. Emerson Egret from the Love and Respect book that I mentioned. Now, in saying this, we're talking about emphasis here. Because when the scriptures single out husbands and wives living together and this whole love and respect thing, it's a, a point of emphasis. And um, Emerson Egret, in, a, um, in his book, he talks about this uh, secular organization called Decision Analysts, Inc. And they did a, a psychological survey on marriages. Okay, again, a secular organization. And they asked him the question. They asked uh, men the question, and these are marriages, Ask them the question that when you're in the midst of a, a conflict, and it could be a, a, just an everyday uh, issue, or it could be a, maybe a bigger conflict, what do you feel? And when you're in the midst of that, A, that my wife doesn't respect me right now, or B, that my wife doesn't love me right now. 81.5% of men said, I feel like she doesn't respect me right now. And when that same question was asked about women, and they're asked that same question when you're in the midst of conflict. What do you feel? That my husband, letter A, that my husband doesn't respect me right now, or B, that my wife doesn't love me right now. And women said, letter A, that, or excuse me, letter B, that my husband doesn't love me right now. 79%. And what that survey simply does is affirm Ephesians chapter 5. And oftentimes, I think we, we talk about this uh, love and respect how important it is for us to uh, give to the other. And another really good book by Gary Chapman, The Five Love Languages. I would encourage you to read that book as well. And as we give gifts or as we serve our, our spouses, how do we do it? Do we do it in a way that we would want to be done to us? For example, Sometimes we give a gift to our spouses what we would like to receive ourselves. I, uh, a friend of mine told me the story that she planned this uh, incredible birthday weekend for her husband. And she's very much uh, loves Minneapolis and loves hotels and massages. And she planned this beautiful weekend in Minneapolis to have a, um, a couple's massage also at a luxurious hotel in downtown Minneapolis and also just this really nice dinner inviting their friends. And after she shared the secret, of, because it was held in the suspense, she shared the secret of the weekend to him as they were driving in downtown Minneapolis, and he doesn't like the city at all. Uh, he said, this sounds like a birthday gift for you. And sometimes we do that. Sometimes we do that. And um, I got this section right here, and I want you guys, men, you may want to really listen. This is from a book from Lisa Crone. The $10 million question, what do women want from men? Ladies, you want to say something? What do you want from men? Love, honesty, anything else? Okay, I have plenty right here. Lisa Crone writes this, every now and again we want someone else to pick the restaurant. Arrange the play date, plan the seating, buy the tickets, do the laundry, schedule the appointment, pack the bags, balance the books, send the gift, walk the dog, fill up the forms, break the silence, lift the band, make the payment, count the calories, hold the phone, <laughs> explain the joke, beat the odds, hit the ground running, win the race, and save the day that we can sleep past noon in our nice cashmere blanket. In other words, we want time off for good behavior. <laughs> and all the women said what? Amen. Amen. All right. Next, besides uh, men running on respect and women on love, number three, 
both are powerful for change. They really are. And not only the marital relationship, and I'm going to talk about that, but also, as I've shared from here before, that I had a couple of years with my daughter Allie where uh, we didn't talk. She was very upset with me, and we had a really hard relationship to that time. It was very painful for me. And for me, looking back on that now, and God has done just redemptive work in our relationship. And I can't wait for her wedding on May 1st, and I'm so proud, and I'm going to see her next Saturday. We're going to talk about some of the wedding details. But um, I realized what was causing me to not be the adult and take the first step was that she didn't respect me. And that's what happens. Uh, that when either your daughter or your son, whatever, if we don't uh, react, if we react in a certain way, they're not going to respect us, for example. Or your son is not going to love you. Um, but for example, for uh, my daughter Allie, I needed to love her. And that's what I did. I just poured on love for a long time. And, and for several times, there was no response at all. And then eventually, she began to respond. And I just started pouring love on her. Even though she wasn't respecting me, I felt. And that's what happens. Some of us are reluctant to take that step because I'm not respected or I'm not loved. And yet, as uh, Egret talks about in his conference, be the adult. Take the first step. Because here's the thing. As, as I loved her, I grew in her eyes into becoming a more respectable dad. And that's what happens. When it happens, when you, when you lo- love your wife, and maybe it's right, hard right now to love your wife, but she will grow in her loveliness. I guarantee it. And then also for the wives, as you respect your husband, even though right now he may not be respectable, he's going to grow in his respectability. Take that step. Take that step. And when that happens, it produces change. And I've experienced that because love and respect are potent. The Bible teaches that this kind of love and this kind of respect is so powerful. It works so well. And for us, as we read this, especially for husbands, uh, talking about loving as Christ loves the church, of course we can't do that exactly like that, but we can imitate it. And for women, when it comes to respect, maybe it's not perfect, but uh, you can take that step. But at the same time, we're human, aren't we? I remember, uh, I think it was last year or two years ago, I mentioned a sermon. I asked everybody in that service to write on their communication card, what I need from God right now. And I still have those cards. And I received over 200 communication cards, and I promised to pray for single, every single one of them, and I did. And it could have been anonymous, or they could have wrote, wrote down their names. A lot of people wrote, wrote their names down. Half were about marital, marital strife. My marriage is in the midst of um, a breakdown. Or my husband or my wife, we can't talk right now. But don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. And again, sometimes we make mistakes, but again, we have to be the ones, I think, to take the first step and forgive them. Because as Egret talks about, uh, you may think your husband or wife has malicious intent. Oftentimes they don't. Uh, you think they're, they're, they're planning something evil towards you. Generally, they're not. Okay? And this reminds me of a story, actually, a true story, of a couple 
that lived in England, and they were going to take a nice country drive to Berkshire. And as they were driving, they're in their 70s, and he always would drive, and she would be in the back seat because she liked to have leg room. And they're driving to Berkshire. They get a flat tire. Fortunately, there was a service garage nearby. And they pulled in the, in the service garage, and they sat in the waiting room. And uh, the tire was fixed, and uh, the husband got in the car and drove 17 miles. And it was very common not to have conversation a lot between the two of them as they're in the car together. Drove 17 miles to Berkshire, and he stops, and he says, Honey, uh, where do you want to go? What stories do you want to go? And there's silence. He turns around. The back seat's empty. He left her at the service garage. And sometimes we make mistakes. And in fact, the uh, Western Morning News quoted her. I couldn't believe he'd gone without me. I usually sit in the back because I can move around, but normally we talk sometimes, once in a while. And they were married for 40 years, and then she was asked the question, do you forgive him? And she said, of course. Of course I forgive him. So husbands, if your wife sits in the back seat, don't forget her, okay? All right. So for those of you who are right in the middle of marital chaos right now, I just want to close with this. Seek God. Seek God. The Bible tells us that when we diligently seek him, he will help us. And that diligently seeking him may take days, it may take months, it may take years. Um, but keep trying. Seek God. And of course, the verse that we talked about in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, God is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. We ask or think. Amen. I'm going to have uh, Bill and Jenny Nice come up here. We're going to do an interview. They are part of our marriage ministry. You want to give them a hand? <laughs> Bill and Jenny um, <laughs> have been involved in our marriage ministry for, what, two or three years, I think it is? Mm-hmm. We started it. And our marriage ministry um, is headed up by Gary and Joan Bowman. And we have, again, several couples that do this mentoring of uh, young couples or older couples who are getting married. And these two come alongside couples to really mentor them and take time to really invest in them. So let's start with the first question. I I just want to start. Uh, You've known us quite a while, and you've seen us interact, so I know you have a sense of humor because you still invited us anyway. So So thanks for that. Uh, You're welcome. (laughs) And I, I sent these questions... Way in advance. Way in advance. Yeah. It's all right. We used to work together. I have two so. contacts in my uh, phone, Jenny Nice and Jenny. And I sent them to Jenny Nice early in the week. Yes, I'm not Jenny Nice in his phone. Yeah. I'm Jenny. <laughs> and on my phone, she's Jenny. But I had Jenny Nice and Jenny with two different phone numbers, and I sent it to Jenny Nice. And then I, don't, I usually don't do that. And I sent the questions, and I was like, there's crickets. There's no response. I'm like, Jenny's a good friend of mine, and Bill's a good friend of mine. It's like, what's going on? So then I sent them yesterday to Jenny. I'm like, oh no, wrong contact. We were afraid another Jenny would show up too. So, so if you're here, yeah. So when it comes to love and respect, how has that worked in your marriage, the concepts? You go first. I thought you were on first. Okay, I'm on first. Here um, we go. First off, uh, both of us come from family. My parents are going to be married 60 years wow. in 21 uh, and your parents are coming up on 50, so we've had great examples. But um, it's just, it, for me, it's helped kind of um, the guidelines. It, when I wasn't able to understand what was missing, 
the respect part is that made a lot of sense to me. Yeah. And uh, and so that's you know it's helped me kind of be able to speak up more. It's like I'm not feeling this because of um, and like it's because our first year of marriage was, was really hard because we had a long distance relationship. And so I would call her when I'd get home, which was usually at 10 o'clock at night. And so that first year, I just kept, I worked all the time. And so um, f- when, and it took a while for you to approach me on that. Yeah, yeah. And it, I was stunned because I, I, this is just my life. This, yeah. is, this is how we're providing and taking care of. And we've come way in the middle yeah. um, to just as far as boundaries on, on our time, and it still gets out of hand from time to time, but I always knew that through all that, that the respect was there. I just, uh, yeah, I wasn't around enough to probably show her as much love as she needed, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the, um, the idea of love and respect when we first heard about it, yep. there was a little bit of my, wait a second, I'm a firstborn, and yeah. I, I like control and things like that, and it was, how do I choose to be... Um, willing to respect, just freely give respect. Um, I think about the element of love as a female. That's huge. I need to know that I'm loved. But if I um, were to always make him earn respect, if I had to sit and earn his love all the time, it would be exhausting. And so I expect, like with my kids, I freely give them love because it's easy for me. I need to choose to freely give respect to my husband even if it's not in play right now, if it's not working. Yeah. Um, because it fills his tank. Yeah. And that's, our, that's part of our responsibility. It's what we signed up for when we said yes in, in yeah. marriage. Yeah. Well, I'm German, Swedish, and Norwegian, so I told you I loved you at our wedding, and I figured I'd just tell you if it changed. Yeah, but I'm <laughs> so, so I had to learn to be a little more expressive. <laughs> that's all right. I'll get him back later. Yeah. <laughs> So, Jenny, what's, uh, what's one way that Bill has demonstrated love to you? Um, so, I think there's a number of ways. I, he took the time. We did the book, um, yeah. Love Languages. That was pretty eye-opening. And one of the things we would say is, like, this isn't fair. Like, seriously, that's the way you need to be loved. Mine is acts of service. So if you haven't done this before, it's worth, it's worth looking up. Um, but mine's acts of service. And he's like, so i got to do stuff. <laughs> I gotta help all the time. Love starts in the kitchen. Right, help me. Um, <laughs> a couple, a couple of things that he did early on that I didn't even realize um, when our kids were really little, and I'd get up in the morning, and it was going to be a long day. You know, those of you in that stage, and those of us past that stage, know it's exhausting. On laundry day, I always did laundry on one day. I'd get up in the morning, and I started noticing the hamper was already down in. He took it down before I had even gotten up in the morning. And I, it, it meant so much to me. And I remember telling him that. And I said, something as simple as taking the dirty clothes down to the laundry room so I didn't have to was huge. Um, another thing that he does, again, for my acts of service, on his way home from work, he'll call and say, do I need to pick anything up on my way home? Because I'll be making dinner and, you know, you forget something and you're trying to come up with, you know, what else can we do? I keep hoping she's going to say pick up that new Ferrari, but that's... It's not in the budget. Okay. Um, so uh, that's another thing. Um, and he's also really, really good at um, apologizing. You're better at that than I am. Where I'm well-versed at it. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. Lots of practice. I, I feel like wiser, like giving the elbow right now <laughs> in the ribs. All right. And Bill, for you, what's a, a way that, that Jenny has demonstrated res respect? I had a lot of ideas, but I think the one that starts from square one for us is um, my family's crazy. They just are. And um, it was the transition in for my wife because she wasn't Catholic. That was, that was a huge thing at first. It's now my mom found her before she left last night and told her she loved her and gave her a hug before she found me. So I know where I stand now. But um, she had to win them over. But one of the things was, um, she said, the foundation that you got in that house made you the person I wanted to marry. Mm. And so for that, I mean, because, yeah, the treatment wasn't always nice at first, and now they absolutely adore you, but um, I just remember that she was showing respect to, to my family and how I was raised and what my wow. parents did. Uh, to me, that just has always stuck. Which so often we hear about, you know, either one side, crazy, crazy family, but then uh, they're denigrated right. uh, by, yep. by the other right. spouse. And, and I don't want to see them. Exactly. I'm not going over there. You know. Yep, yep. Yeah. That's, that's yep. huge. Um, let's skip to the last question. So this marriage ministry that we have, this mentoring, can I share with our congregation, what does that look like? Um, well, the mentoring thing is really great. We kind of, we get to come alongside couples. You get to partake uh, in a survey. So each of you as individuals complete the survey, and then we get the opportunity to sit down together and say, all right, here's some points where you guys are like exactly the same. Look at this. Look at the things that bring you together. And then we get to find um, what are the things that are, have, have creeped up that one of you has said something, you know, marked something in your survey versus the other one. And um, you get the opportunity to actually talk about it. Because I think a lot of times in our marriages, we don't invest the time. If something bothers us, we just, eh, if I put it under the rug, it'll go away. And some things do, but some things need a little bit more time. And so um, it's been really fun to come along uh, aside engaged couples who are thinking about, hey, what does this adventure look like? How, you know, how can I be best equipped? And we've had some really great conversations with people, mm. things that have come up. And, um, you know, one couple said, oh, my goodness, you know, that just taking the time to have the conversation and build into each other and understand some things as we walk into this mm -hmm. um, changed. I mean, they were fully in. They were, I'm sold out. I'm totally doing this marriage thing. Thank you so much. You, you guys are why. And I think it's the process, really. I mean, we guide, but, but the couple decides. You yeah. know, you decide the process. How do you solve it? Because just because he and I solve something one way doesn't mean another exactly. couple is going to solve it the same way. We're individuals. Our marriages have different personalities from others. And yeah. we had to be careful not to compare. You yeah. know, the, the pain of comparison to other people sometimes will really bring us down. And, um, you know, God, God puts you together for a reason. Yeah. And sometimes you just got to work on it. So the, the mentorship thing um, has been great even for us when we, you know, can talk and laugh about some things and then spend some time, you know, being really serious about, you know, this is something you guys got to work on. Yeah. How can you, you know, what can we, what can you do? And there's a, there's a starting point and an end point. There is. Yeah. 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 So a lot of the premarital um, ones, we can go, four weeks is probably average for okay. that. Um, but, you know, we can go as long, you know, if a couple needs to go longer, we can go longer. And yeah. um, <clears throat> we have, um, I mean, this is something that you can actually do for marriages too, not just premarital. Yeah. And so, you know, some of those will go 
uh, uh, longer. Yeah. And the other couples um, here at church uh, that are leading other groups uh, up in the nosebleeds, Todd and Sally, and yeah. we have the Tom and Margie Lundberger out here somewhere too. Yeah. There they are, over there. And um, uh, just a lot of wisdom in that group, you know, learn from, I, I would highly suggest you learn from people who are a, a little further ahead of the game yep. than you with parenting, marriage, life in general, yeah. buying a house, whatever it is. Yeah. But it's great to have that. And I would say, you know, for, like Jenny said, uh, for couples right now that maybe you've been married five or seven years or maybe even uh, 15 years, this could benefit you too. If you feel like, man, you know, we're really in a spot right now, we could use some mentoring. Um, Bill and Jenny have a lot of free time. And uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But no, uh, you can put that on your communication card. If you're interested in doing that, please um, put that in the offering basket in a second. And um, our marriage ministry, Gary and Joan Bowman, like I said, would love uh, to get you paired with one of our marriage mentors. Mm-hmm. Let's give Bill and Jenny a hand. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, sir. Nice call. Thanks. Thank you. Good job, Jenny. At this time, we're going to receive this morning's offering. And again, as I mentioned before, this is a part of our worship as we give to God who has given to us.